now, broadcasting from behind enemy lines, deep in the trenches of the Patriot resistance, leading the charge in the battle for liberty, this is the Jason Veeley Program. Folks, Jason Veely here. This is the Jason Veely program. Thank you very, very much for tuning in with me here tonight. The email address: the Jason Veely program at gmail.com, The Jason Veely program at gmail.com. Or if you want to call the show and leave a voicemail for me to listen to at a later date, the number is eight six zero two six six two eight five two. Let it ring a few times. Wait till you hear the automated British lady. Say, please leave a message, and then uh, go ahead and leave your message. Um, Just a disclaimer, this show is being recorded on Monday, uh, not on Tuesday. So this this show is being recorded on Monday, uh, March 29th, because tomorrow, Tuesday, when I would normally record Tuesday's show, is my birthday. And so I want to free up the day. We're going out for a nice dinner tomorrow night, and uh, so I wanted to uh, record on Monday um, instead. So I'll, this show, when you're listening to this, it will be Tuesday, but just know I recorded yesterday, Monday. So there's, there's your disclaimer. You know, folks, I haven't spoken very much, um, about the coronavirus, about the pandemic, just because there's been so much going on with Joe Biden, um, the border, immigration, and so on and so forth. But I do have very, very strong opinions on this ongoing pandemic, on um, Dr. Fauci and his quote-unquote guidance, uh, if you want to call it that. Um, I I have very strong opinions on it, and I want to get into it a little bit tonight. Um, Basically, folks, I'm not one of these conspiracy theorist types who's going to sit behind her microphone and say that the coronavirus isn't real. I, of course it's real. I mean, it's, it's happening before our very eyes. We see it. Um, however, I think that it's at this point being politicized and exploited by the Democrat party. I think that the numbers are inflated. I think that the response, uh, to this, this pandemic um, has been uh, a, an example of government overreach. Um, perhaps in, in the beginning stages of the pandemic, you know, last year, last spring, when we really didn't understand it too well, um, such a reaction might have been justified. But now that, you know, we're over a year into this, we understand it, we understand who's at risk, um, I, I think we should start opening back up now. I, I really do. I think that it's time to get over this, to move forward, and it's a damn shame that we have so many on the left, like Fauci and like Joe Biden, his administration, um, holding us back, holding us back from progressing as as a as a nation. So again, yes, I think that the coronavirus has been largely politicized and and exploited by the left. I think that the damage done to a, the economy, and B, to mental health and, and just general mental stability has been at least as damaging as the virus itself to our country. And I mean every damn word of that sentence. Every word. You don't hear them talk about it. You don't hear Fauci talk about this. But it's the absolute truth, folks. The economic toll, the mental health toll, that this pandemic, and, and I should say the response of the pandemic is having on the American people, is, is significant, is something that we need to address. But too many of us aren't. And by the way, I also think that uh, Dr. Fauci is a fraud. Let me get into some sound bites. Dr. Fauci appeared on Face the Nation on Sunday with host, who the hell was it? Margaret Brennan. Honestly, I don't follow these uh, liberal media outlets, folks. I don't know the majority of these liberal hosts. Never heard of Margaret Brennan in my life. I, I don't know. I've heard of Face the Nation. Um, never heard of Margaret Brennan. I don't know. But anyway, 
Fauci appeared on Face the Nation and uh, gave, you know, this wonderful 10-minute interview. The liberals love this guy, by the way. The liberals love this guy. And my theory is they love him because they point to him as an authority figure to continue their their ongoing power grab. Um, but more on that in a minute. Let me play this soundbite from uh, Fauci on Sunday. Warning of another surge on the horizon. Take a listen. You have been warning all month that we are stuck. We are plateauing at a high level of infection. Now let me stop. This guy is Mr. Doom and Gloom. That's one of the many reasons I can't stand him. He's Mr. Doom and Gloom. He's not big on giving the, the American people hope. He's not big on, on uh, addressing very real problems like mental health issues that are caused by lockdowns and so on and so forth. He's not really about any of that. He's Dr. Doom. Forget Dr. Fauci. Any Marvel fans out there, you know who Dr. Doom is? That's Fauci. Anyway, keep listening. And you just heard that Michigan, New York, New Jersey, Massachusetts, we're seeing spikes. What's driving these infections? Is it the new variants? Well, you know, the variants are playing a part, but it is not completely the variants. What we're likely seeing is because of things like spring break and pulling back on the mitigation methods that you've seen. In other words, the spikes are being caused by people living their lives, right? The spikes are being caused by people living their lives. You know, folks, here, here's the truth. The coronavirus is going to be with us whether we like it or not. It's going to be with us whether we like it or not. It is a part of our society now, just like the flu. The question is, how do we deal with it? Dr. Fauci's way of dealing with it is every time there's a spike, we lock down the entire damn country. And I'm sorry, but I don't agree with that approach. In fact, I fundamentally disagree with it. Keep listening. Several states have done that. I believe it's premature, Margaret, because when I've, I've said many times to you that when you're coming down from a big peak and you reach a point and start to plateau... Once you stay at that plateau, you're really in danger of a surge coming up. And unfortunately, that's what we're starting to see. We got stuck at around 50,000 new cases per day, went up to 60,000 the other day. And that's really a risk. We've seen that in our own country. And that's exactly what's happened in Europe, in several of the countries in the European Union, where they plateaued and then started to come back. And that's why we say it really is almost a race between getting people vaccinated and having this peak that we may want to see, and we don't want to see that. And again, it isn't just the variants. Variants we take seriously and are concerned, but it is not only the variants that are doing that. But it's partially the variants, right? Partially the variants. Isn't it convenient, by the way, how suddenly when things are just starting to get a little bit better, we just start to see the light at the end of the tunnel, Suddenly, we're having these discussions about these variants of the coronavirus. I don't know. Look, again, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm not going to sit here and say that COVID is not real or these variants aren't, aren't real. But what I will say and what I am extremely confident in saying is that liberals are using COVID and now this just the, you know, talks about these variants to keep the pressure on. To keep the pressure on. Because liberal Democrats like control. They like to be the ones calling the shots. They do. They do. It's not just with COVID. They like calling the shots with regards to the environment. They like calling the shots and making the rules and keeping the pressure on. With regards to just about everything. Just about everything. They are neo-Marxists, many of them, folks. They believe in centralized power, centralized government. You're going to tell me that people who are this power-hungry wouldn't exploit something like the coronavirus 
or these variants to to further expand upon that power? I don't know, folks. Let me get on to this second clip. Here's cut two, also from this interview. Fauci was asked, look, what are parents supposed to do this summer about, for example, sending their kids to camp? Is that okay, Dr. Fauci? Can we do that, Dr. Fauci? Do we have your permission? Jerk. When you were last with us, you said that your expectation was that elementary school kids likely wouldn't be vaccinated until the first quarter of 2022. For parents, we're trying and to... by pl- the way, let me, let me just set the record straight here, just so that we're all on the same page. Children are, A, less likely to spread the coronavirus, B, less likely to have a severe case uh, if they do get it, and C, less likely to have symptoms if they get it. Okay, that's according to the CDC. Children are extremely low risk. All right, so now that we're on the same page, let's uh, keep listening. And their summers. What does that mean? Can they send their kids In fact, to... you know what? Let me start that clip over. When you were last with us, you said that your expectation was that elementary school kids likely wouldn't be vaccinated until the first quarter of 2022. For parents, we're trying to plan their summers. What does that mean? Can they send their kids to summer camp? Can they allow them to play again on playgrounds? Now, listen to how that question was framed. This bothers me. As a conservative, this fires me up. This kind of talk. Look at how that question was phrased. Are parents allowed to have their kids, for example, go to summer camp? Of course they are. What, is the government going to say, no, it's not allowed? Can, Can our kids play on the playgrounds? We're asking the government that? Are you serious? Is that not a decision that parents should be making for their children? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Have we really gotten to a point now? Look, I I understand that COVID is real and needs to be dealt with. I understand that. But are we really willing to throw everything away just for a sense of security? Let the government tell us when we can take our kids to the playground? What, we're we're relying on this nutjob Fauci to tell us when we can and can't do that? That that is that's serious to me, folks. That is very, very concerning that we've arrived at that point. And if you're a conservative out there, you should agree with me. Keep listening. You know, it is conceivable that that will be possible, Margaret, because what we're seeing is, you know, as you just mentioned on the piece. Why do they have the power to have these conversations? We are the we decide what we do with our children, folks. We, the parents, the guardians. I I mean, we're sitting back and and watching on on a national news network. Dr. Fauci and some nutjob host have a discussion about what parents are allowed to do with their kids. Oh, well, you know, I could, there's very conceivable that they could take them to summer camp or let them play on a playground. Yeah, yeah, I could see that happening. That's not for you to decide. You don't control us, you jerk. Have three to 3.5 million vaccinations each day. If we keep up at that pace, invariably, that's going to drive the rate and the level of infections per day to a much, much lower level. If we get into the summer and you have a considerable percentage of the, of the population vaccinated and the level in the community gets below that plateau that's worrying me and my colleagues in public health, it is conceivable that you would have a good degree of flexibility during the summer, even with the children, with things like camps. We don't know that for sure, but I think that's an, uh, an aspirational goal that we should go for. Yes, yes. What, what was it Joe Biden said a few weeks ago? Something about the 4th of July. 
talking about how, you know, I'd really love to let you and your family celebrate 4th of July together this year. But uh, if, if, you know, if we have to go into lockdown again, that's not going to happen or something like that. Threatening us. Threatening us, saying, you Americans better do this and this, and as a reward, I'll let you celebrate the 4th of July. Gee, how ironic is that? The reward for following the government's mandates and their stupid rules is we get to celebrate a day dedicated to American independence. The irony. The irony. That's Dr. Fauci. Fear-mongering. Dr. Doom. There he is. There he is. Now... You'll notice that they don't ever address the impact that all these lockdowns are having and have had for the past year on mental health. According to Pew Research, 21% of U.S. adults are experiencing high levels of psychological distress. That's over one in five. Among those 21%, 28% say uh, that... COVID has changed their lives in a major way. Young people, ages 18 to 29, are far more likely to report feeling anxious, depressed, or, uh, or lonely than those who are over 30 years old. The exact numbers, 45% to 28%. That is, 45% of young people ages 18 to 29 report that they're more likely now with these lockdowns to feel anxious or depressed or lonely than those over 30, which was a rate of about 28%. Still high. Still high. But folks, that's nearly half of young adults. Is that not a crisis? Is that not a problem? Is that not a concern? You know, before I went on the air here when I was doing some uh, just a little bit more research for the show. I watched this interview that uh, Glenn Beck did with somebody back in February. And uh, I think I closed the tab here. Um, but uh, it, it was an interview that Glenn Beck did with the father of somebody who took his own life young guy who took his own life because of COVID isolation. His name was Christian, young guy, very bright guy, very, very smart, doing well in school. I believe he was an athlete. And then the father said when COVID hit, um, he just got depressed, started feeling lonely, and unfortunately, sold the family car one night, and killed himself. And he wrote a goodbye letter. And in that letter, he specifically said something about how he couldn't take the isolation anymore. We know know that suicide rates have increased since these lockdowns began. That's a fact. We know that depression or, uh, or, or signs of depression have increased since these lockdowns began. That is a fact. Does this worry you? Is this a problem to you? Or do we just keep plowing ahead, locking down the country every time there's a, a surge? Let me read a little bit, a, a few more facts here. EMS calls for drug overdoses increased from roughly 2,000 a week in February and March of 2019 to nearly 5,000 a week for the same period in 2020 after uh, the lockdowns started started to, uh, to set in. EMS calls for drug overdoses. Calls about mental and behavioral problems and suicide also increased for the same time period. Again, comparing 
February and March of 2019 to February and March of 2020. Human beings are social creatures, ladies and gentlemen. You know, we, we are not meant to be locked down. We're not meant to be thrown in cages. When that does happen, the, the results are tragic. And then, of course, the, there's the, uh, the economic impact. Setting aside the mental health um, impact that, that all these lockdowns have had, there's the economics of it all. Businesses suffering, the auto industry, the restaurant industry, air travel, movie theaters. I mean, you can look up the charts, folks. You can look up the charts. The The amount of money that these industries were bringing in has plummeted. Plummeted. People out of work. People worried about losing their jobs. An estimated 12.1 million adults report that they're behind on rent. 79 million adults, or 34%, report that it's now difficult to cover usual household expenses that normally weren't difficult to to pay. That's over a third of U.S. adults. Finding it hard to make ends meet. Millions unemployed since last spring around government uh, assistance. Is this not a problem? Is this not concerning? And Dr. Fauci, who prides himself, you know, walks around with his head held high, thinking that he's saving the American people. He's all noble. He's doing what's best for the people. He's really not. He's really not. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. This is the Jason Veely Program. Conservatives, how many times have you been called a racist by someone on the left? What about sexist, bigoted, homophobic, xenophobic, right-wing, radical extremist? These are all buzzwords that liberals use as a means of labeling conservatives as something that they're not. And let me tell you something. I, like most of you, am getting pretty damn sick of it. That's why I started my own conservative comedy series, Living with a Liberal. Hosted on the popular video sharing app TikTok, Living with a Liberal features two fictional characters, played by yours truly, whose political differences could not be more obvious. It's a comedic take on the modern-day liberal Democrat. Because if they can brand us as racists and bigots, we can brand them as triggered, oversensitive snowflakes. Check out Living with the Liberal today on TikTok. Just search Jason Veely and you'll be taken right to my homepage. I have over 100 episodes on there, so you won't be short on content anytime soon. Enjoy. Are you a pissed off liberal that wants to give me a piece of your mind? Or maybe you're a conservative that simply has a question or comment. Either way, you should know that there's a few different ways you can reach me. Feel free to send me an email at thejasonveelyprogram at gmail.com. Or, if you prefer, you can also call the show number and leave me a voicemail, 860-266-2852. Be sure to provide your name and where you're writing or calling from. Thanks a lot. I look forward to hearing from you. Folks, I am humbly suggesting that we give people the opportunity, the chance to make their own damn decisions. To make their own decisions. Because I believe that the individual knows what's best for him or herself. Not the government. Some people can't handle lockdowns. Some people can't handle isolation. Some people own businesses that can't survive. Lockdown after lockdown. Let people make their own damn decisions. You know what'll happen? You know what'll happen if you just allowed people to 
again, make their own decisions. You would have many people who would take advantage of that. But you'd also have still a lot of people who would feel more comfortable wearing masks or quarantining, staying inside, and that's fine. I'm not forcing anyone to do one thing or the other. The point is, people should have the damn choice. People should have the choice. Right now, they don't. So listen to this one. Here we go. This was from the Gateway Pundit. Piece written by Christina Layla. Biden administration working to launch vaccine passports so Americans can prove they've been inoculated, return to normalcy. We knew this was coming, they write. The Biden administration is now working to launch vaccine passports so Americans can prove they've been inoculated. The vaccine passports will be the key to returning to normalcy and may actually control who is allowed to participate in the workforce. Where does the government get this right? Shouldn't businesses have some control over this? Not the federal government with these damn passports? What if you genuinely don't believe in vaccines? For whatever reason. Religious reason, what have you. What, you can't work? You can't go back to work? You can't get a job? Because the government says so? Is this where we're at in America right now? Is this the the point that we have arrived at? The Washington Post first reported on Sunday that the Biden administration is coordinating with multiple government agencies in developing a system that would impact many aspects of life. Of course, more government. Because the government knows what's best, don't you know? The government knows what's best for you and your family. The Post, citing five officials who spoke on the condition of anonymity, reported the effort, quote, has been driven largely by arms of the Department of Health and Human Services, including an office devoted to uh, health information technology. From CNN Wire, President Joe Biden has predicted that life in the U.S. could be back to normal by Christmas. And as most Americans are vaccinated each day, as more Americans are vaccinated each day, these vaccine credentials, commonly called vaccine passports, could be key to a return to normalcy by the end of the year. White House Coronavirus Coordinator Jeff uh, Zients has led the White House's role in coordinating the project. An official told the Post. Zion said earlier this month, quote, Our role is to help ensure that any solutions in this area should be simple, free, open source, accessible to people, both digitally and on paper, and designed from the start to protect people's privacy. Really, what about protect people's liberty? What about pr- protect people's freedom? Does that enter your mind? No, it doesn't, because you're a liberal. doesn't enter Joe Biden's mind because he's a liberal. doesn't enter Dr. Fauci's mind because he's a liberal. They're not freedom-oriented. That's not the way they think. They are government-oriented. That's the way they think. That's the damn problem. Because we, we see time after time after time that government always thinks it knows what's best, and it doesn't. It doesn't. I'm not saying government isn't necessary. I'm not, you know, I don't believe in anarchy, but government has very specific roles. Government needs to get the hell back in the box that is the Constitution. That's what I think. Part of ensuring wide usage for vaccine passports is accounting for the large subset of the global population that still doesn't use or have access to smartphones. What about the population that just doesn't want to get the damn vaccine? 
they have that right? Or are you going to use the power of the government to coerce them into getting the vaccine by saying, you need this vaccine passport in order to work? This is scary. I mean, this is... This... This... It's hard to believe that this sort of thing is happening in America. You know, there are times where the liberals advance certain agendas or advance certain policies like this vaccine passport. And it, it, it almost makes my country look unrecognizable. It really does. We're supposed to be a country based on the individual. Individual liberty. Individual responsibility. That was the the entire idea behind the creation of America and the Constitution. Based on we the people. The people. Not the government. So anyway, we'll keep you posted on that. That's no doubt going to be a uh, controversial move. People will be up in arms about that. I'll be one of them. You'll hear it first from me, no doubt, behind this microphone. All right, let me get on to this, because I found this article, and I thought it was interesting, too. From PJ Media, a piece written by Rick Morin. The politically incorrect secret that may have led to thousands of COVID deaths. This is interesting. This raises an argument that I hadn't thought of before, but um, makes perfect sense. And I want you to hear it too. Again, Rick uh, Rick Morin of PJ Media. If you're woke or want to be woke or support wokeness, chances are you probably congratulate obese people for being, quote, body positive, despite all medical evidence pointing to obesity as a leading cause of cancer and heart disease. Right? This whole woke movement where we're all supposed to be body positive and congratulate people who are obese instead of saying hey maybe cut back on the cheeseburgers uh liberals have created a politically correct culture where we celebrate people who are uh unhealthy and overweight because that's being woke don't you know as it turns out rick morin goes on we don't hear much about the dirty little secret that obesity easily killed as many people as mask avoidance perhaps more Mm-hmm. The Washington Examiner's Brad Palumbo did a deep dive into the issue of weight and COVID deaths and found some shocking correlations. COVID-19 is much more deadly for the elderly and those with pre-existing conditions that weaken the immune system. One of those conditions is obesity. According, for the, uh, according to the CDC, adults with Excess weight are at even greater risk during the COVID-19 pandemic. The CDC said that of the roughly 900,000 adult COVID-19 hospitalizations from the start of the outbreak to November 18th of last year, 30% were attributed to obesity. So from the start of the pandemic to November, of all the hospitalizations... 30% were attributed to obesity. Of the 900,000 adults COVID-19 hospitalizations. 30%. That's pretty significant. That's almost a third. Meanwhile, a new study examining over 150,000 adults across 20 hospitals confirmed that obese people are much more likely to be hospitalized or to die from the virus. Severely obese COVID-19 patients were 61% more likely to die and 33% more likely to face hospitalization than their peers at healthy weights. PJ Media goes on to say, This isn't really news in the sense that the CDC had been warning obese people since the beginning of the pandemic that they were at higher risk of serious illness and death. So why did so many obese people ignore the warning? 
Well, we know why, ladies and gentlemen. We know why they ignored the warning. Because liberals have created a culture where obesity is to be celebrated. Body positive. They point out an example. Cosmopolitan Magazine ran a series of magazine covers featuring significantly overweight women under the heading, This is Healthy. And I'm looking at it right now. It's actually quite disturbing, if I may be so blunt. But it's an obese woman. This is healthy. Celebrating obesity. So the point that they're making, and again, I thought this was very interesting, is because of this politically correct culture that the liberals have have created and have been creating, perpetuating for um, several years now, you know, in the interest of being woke, this new woke culture, um, it it directly correlates to many of the COVID-19 related deaths because obesity is a primary factor in hospitalizations and deaths. It's a pre-existing condition. So it goes to show, ladies and gentlemen, that liberals aren't always right. In fact, mostly they're wrong. (laughs) Mostly they're wrong. And it also goes to show that political correctness is killing us. Political correctness is killing us. You know, I, I remember I had a friend uh, named Connor who I I started out my conservative commentary career with uh, back in uh, high school. I told you guys the story about how we started our own local access talk show and, and all the rest. And I, 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 for some reason, I'll never forget Connor saying this during one of our shows. He was talking about political correctness and he said one day political correctness will kill us now admittedly at the time connor was much more politically savvy than i was much more politically astute so to speak um so i really didn't understand what he meant by this i was against political correctness at the time i still am but I just never really understood what he meant when he said political correctness will one day kill us. Now I get it. Now I get it. Connor, if you're listening to this, you were right all along. You were right. We teach people that being obese is okay and that it's healthy, even though obesity often leads to COVID-19 related deaths. Even more than that, political correctness leads to a stifling of, for example, free speech, open and honest debate, making it so that we can't progress as as a country, which is ironic because I thought liberals were all about progressing, you know, with the whole progressive movement and so on and so forth. Well, if you really want to progress, let's actually talk. Let's actually, you know, have debates and say what needs to be said instead of you guys shutting us down all the damn time on college campuses or on social media. Very interesting. So I thought that article uh, was very, very telling, very telling of of how the left operates and how their, their push for a politically correct country is doing a tremendous amount of harm. I'll be right back. Conservatives, how many times have you been called a racist by someone on the left? What about sexist, bigoted, homophobic, xenophobic, right-wing radical extremist? These are all buzzwords that liberals use as a means of labeling conservatives as something that they're not. And let me tell you something. I, like most of you, am getting pretty damn sick of it. That's why I started my own conservative comedy series, Living with a Liberal. Hosted on the popular video sharing app TikTok, 
living with a liberal features two fictional characters, played by yours truly, whose political differences could not be more obvious. It's a comedic take on the modern-day liberal Democrat, because if they can brand us as racists and bigots, we can brand them as triggered, oversensitive snowflakes. Check out Living with the Liberal today on TikTok. Just search Jason Veely and you'll be taken right to my homepage. I have over a hundred episodes on there, so you won't be short on content anytime soon. Enjoy. Are you a pissed off liberal that wants to give me a piece of your mind? Or maybe you're a conservative that simply has a question or comment. Either way, you should know that there's a few different ways you can reach me. Feel free to send me an email at thejasonveelyprogram at gmail.com. Or, if you prefer, you can also call the show number and leave me a voicemail, 860-266-2852. Be sure to provide your name and where you're writing or calling from. Thanks a lot. I look forward to hearing from you. Mike and Crystal. Hey Mike, have you heard of the Jimmy Z Show? Yeah, Crystal. The Jimmy Z Show is awesome. Which topic do you like most? I like them all. They are all lots of fun. Do you have a favorite? I just like Jimmy Z. His voice is so hot. Okay, but what about his politics? What politics? The politics he talks about on the Jimmy Z Show. I never noticed any politics. All I hear is the velvety smooth dulcet tone of Jimmy Z's sizzling, sexy, scintillating voice. Holy mackerel. The Jimmy Z Show. The Jimmy Z Show is available on Facebook, Twitter, Spotify, and iTunes. I'm Donald J. Trump, and I approve this message. All right, folks, welcome back to the show. Jason Veely here. Want to get to a soundbite in just a minute of Maxine Waters... Once again, playing the race card, this time attacking the cops for oppressing black people or some other nonsense. But before I get to that, I want to play uh, a couple of voicemails that were left for me towards the end of last week. This first one from, uh, well, I don't know his name, but he says, basically, I love your show and also provides his uh, opinion on abortion. Take a listen. Hello. um, I just want to let you know. I love your show, and I love what you're doing. Thank you. Uh, they made me laugh every single day, and I'm glad that you showed up on my For You page on TikTok. Um, I am a pro-lifer, and I don't really know if you only go on the other side like and discuss that, and I love that. Um, there is no other side. But, like, as a Christian, like I will never support it. Because clearly God said, thou shalt not murder, or thou shalt not commit adultery. Um, part of one of the Ten Commandments. Um, but I want to let you know, keep up the good work, bud. And who knows, maybe we'll actually have a conversation one time. That'd be dope. All right. Talk to you later. Bye-bye, bud. Thanks for the call. I, I appreciate that. And yeah, I'd love to have a conversation with you sometime. All right, this next caller had an interesting question for me, one that I really never thought too, too much about. Uh, but take a listen. Hey, um, uh, I had a quick question uh, for your podcast. Um, why do so many, a lot of the Democratic Party get so offended by people like cracking jokes and stuff like that, uh, generally having a good time? Uh, thank you for your time. And well, they did. <laughs> Well, the short answer is because many liberals, not all, but many, are bitter individuals who can't take a joke. It's just that simple. Uh, They're just bitter, unhappy, miserable people. Many of them, not all of them. Um, But the long answer is that liberals see everything through various lenses. In other words, let me put it this way. When a conservative hears a joke... They laugh because it's their initial reaction. It's funny, right? When a liberal hears a joke, it it almost like it, it's almost like the joke goes through a few different filters. It's first the liberal brain assesses whether or not said joke is racist. Okay, is it racist? Is that is that okay? Is that joke racist in any way? 
And then the question becomes, is it, is it sexist in any way? Well, is it sexist? Is it misogynist? Is it demeaning to women? This is how liberals see things. They see everything through these goggles of, is that racist? Is it sexist? Is it homophobic? That's why they often can't take a joke. Because they're walking around with these goggles on. Conservatives don't wear those goggles, honestly. I mean, that that might be a little bit of an odd way to answer that question, but it's really the only way I know how. Liberals see everything through the lens of race or gender or sexuality or what have you. Conservatives don't. That allows us to be able to take a joke that unfortunately causes them to not be able to take one. So there you go. Thank you very much for your call. All right. Let me get to uh, this nut job, Maxine Waters, who, by the way, is an absolute racist um, and is uh, one of the most hateful liberal Democrats, I think, in modern day politics. I really believe that. She was being interviewed on, let me see if I could find it here, on, tell me if you guys have ever heard of this, Spectrum News 1's In Focus SoCal. I don't know. I've never heard of it. It must be a California station. I don't know. But um, the interviewer was, uh, or the anchor, I should say, was someone named Tanya McRae. Never heard of her in my life. But anyway, take a listen. And we're going to move forward to 1992. During the LA riots, you were a huge figure and leader within the black community and famously said, quote, riot is the voice of the unheard. And almost 30 years later, we again... Riot is the voice of the unheard. Isn't that radical? Don't you guys over there on whatever station this is, uh, Spectrum News 1... Don't you think that's radical to say that riot is the voice of the unheard? It should never be. There's no excuse for rioting. But you say that in in the form of a question to Maxine Waters as if it's something to celebrate, as if it's like a like a big heroic statement. Keep listening racial tensions explode in this country after the death of George Floyd. Why do you think this country has such difficulty learning from history and making real changes when it comes to violence and injustice done to black people? What is she talking about? I'm going to get to Maxine Waters in a minute. But just that question alone, why has America had so much trouble addressing injustices towards minorities or blacks or Violence towards black. What is she talking about? We have made so much progress, ladies and gentlemen. Do you understand that slavery has been around on this earth for thousands of years? Thousands of years. We got rid of it in a couple hundred years. We had an entire movement in this country. A civil rights movement. Is that not substantial? Is that not significant? Is that not an example of America making progress? In 2008, we elected a black president. Is that not America making progress? Anyway, let's hear how Maxine Waters responds. Uh, I believe that it stems from the history of this country. It stems Mm -hmm. from slavery, uh, when whites were absolutely in charge, and they absolutely controlled the lives of uh, people and their families. If they decided to separate families... What's funny is that she talks about control, right? Some people controlling other people. Sounds like the Democrat Party, doesn't it? I think this woman needs to look at her own damn party. If she's so concerned about group A controlling group B, some people controlling others in this country, the liberals are the controllers in chief. Honestly. Where their massive regulations, their ridiculous laws, you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this. I'm just saying, I, I think that she could benefit from looking inward a bit. That's all I'm saying, Maxine. 
and send the boys in one direction, the girls in another direction, uh, the mothers to the big house. I mean, they've always been in charge. And I think that this thinking about the need to control, the need to, mm. you know, make sure that people yes. stay in their place, yes. so-called, uh, has been, you know, what has been uh, basically what has happened in America uh, for all of these years. And I think it continues no, in various ways, about? sometimes a little bit more sophisticated ways. Uh, but the police, I think, really believe and in some ways are led to believe that their greatest challenge and their greatest chore is to keep, uh, you know, black people in their place. The fact that this woman really believes that, and I believe that she really believes that, it's sick. These brave men and women who put their lives on the line to keep our communities safe, to keep us safe, the people safe, regardless of skin color. Doesn't matter if you're white, black, brown, yellow, purple, doesn't matter. They protect the community. And for this idiot to go on television and say that, uh, I think... Most of the cops, you know, they think that it's their job to keep black people in in check, to keep them in place. That is, that is absolutely sick. That is a sick, disgusting, twisted comment. I mean every word of that, ladies and gentlemen. That is absolutely horrible. So disrespectful to our men and women in in blue. So terribly disrespectful. And by the way, she talks about race. She talks about how, you know, this country has a long history of oppressing black people and so on and so forth. I just want to remind Maxine Waters that it was her party. It was her party. Her party. That supported the KKK. It was her party. That supported Jim Crow laws. It was her party. That supported segregation. It was her party. That opposed the Civil Rights Act. The Democrats. The Democrats. Republicans. Were for the Civil Rights Act. Republicans. Stood against the KKK. Stood against segregation. Republicans. Ended slavery. Democrats supported slavery. So if she wants to get into the history of this country, the racial history of this country, again, I would urge her to look at her own party. Because the history of the Democrat Party is a very, very dark history. It just is. It just is. So I'm sorry to end on that note, folks. I know most of you listening right now have uh, blood pressure shooting through the roof, but... You know, that's just how it goes sometimes. We have to deal with these idiots as they come. All right, folks, I want to thank you very much for listening. I'll be back tomorrow, Wednesday. God bless. God save this great nation.